The Hawks can't seem to execute what they can control consistently, and it's pushing them in the wrong direction. You can control what you can control, and I think that's something we can control, whether we're scoring or not scoring, is getting back on defense. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter at the AJC, and... We're here to talk about how the Hawks have been consistently hanging around 500, but it's not getting them in the direction that they want to go, which is obviously closer to the playoffs, the sixth seed, even the seventh seed, which would give them home court advantage in the first playing game. So if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is you guys get your podcasts. But thank you for tuning in to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report, a podcast from the AJC. So, Daniel, I think that this team and a lot of Hawks fans would agree that when it comes to the Hawks, this team is mid, (laughs) as the kids like to say. There's a really good tweet from at BlogHawk. Wes on March 26th yesterday that kind of went over the Hawks' last 26 games. And in each one, so it's like in their last two games, they're one and one. In their last four games, they're two and two. And so on and so forth, all the way through 26, they're 13 and 13 in their last 26 games. Obviously, that did not count uh, Sunday night's or Sunday evening's loss to the Grizzlies. The Hawks are now 37 and 38. Uh, following that. So it's just interesting to to think about how this team is the definition of just a mid <laughs> team. They're now under 500 yet again. And it just seems as though they can't consistently execute some of the habits that one, the prior coaching regime had tried to instill in this team but also it's like they're taking their sweet time to start incorporating or consistently executing the habits that new hawks coach quinn snyder is trying to instill in them and it's like one game they're they're blowing their opponents out of the water like they did on saturday against the indiana pacers they scored a season high 143 points and then you know the next game they can barely get more they can barely make 
more than 10 three-pointers. So it's just interesting to think about how this team approaches things where obviously you can't have the same approach to every single game, but you can kind of take conjectures of, okay, this worked in this situation in the last game. Maybe we should try and find a way to apply it and in, in a way to this game and and see how that might make things successful. Obviously, every game plan is going to vary from game to game. But at the end of the day, they're, they're still playing basketball. And you have to wonder about some of the decision makings earlier on in Sunday's game against the, the Grizzlies. I can tell you there are so many times that, um, and, and Trey Young even mentioned it post-game as well, that they were trying to attack the basket and trying to draw, and they were trying to use Memphis's physicality against them and and draw some fouls, but it wasn't working. <laughs> and sometimes they were using that strategy for a little too long. I can't remember how many times um, on consecutive possessions you would watch them try to attack Jaron Jackson Jr. and then he's just swatting the ball away, and you're kind of like, that didn't work on the possession before why would you try the same thing again? And, you know, Quinn Snyder mentioned it, Trey Young mentioned it at the end of the game as well, that, you know, they did pass up a lot of shots on the perimeter. And for guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich and um, Sadiq Bey, they, they do need, even AJ Griffin, they do need to get into a little bit of a rhythm in terms of, knocking those shots down. And if they're not really getting a chance to touch the ball that often, well, then that kind of slows down or impedes any rhythm that they can build. So when you think about this team that has shooters like Trey Young, Bogey, Sadiq, AJ, wouldn't you want to try and see them get these guys into a rhythm a little bit sooner? In yeah, the game. absolutely. And it's kind of, do you ever watch The Office? Has The Office ever been on, you ever watch that show or have seen it? I'm in the middle of a rewatch right now and I'm on season four, I believe. I had, a, I took a little bit of a break. We won't go too much on a tangent of The Office, but I took a little bit of a break. We'll probably start that back okay, up once I the have a reason ends. for bringing that up <laughs> because there is an episode and hopefully yeah. you've seen this already where Michael and Jan are hosting a dinner party. And Michael talks about how many times he had to have a vasectomy and a reverse vasectomy because they kept trying to figure out whether they wanted to have kids or not. And this team kind of reminds me of that where Michael goes, snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap, because it's so inconsistent and they can't figure out which team is going to show up on any given night. And so that's my long way of kind of describing this team right now. But it's exactly how I feel when you see them put up 143 points on Saturday against Indiana. And then 119 against Memphis. Granted, the opponents are a little different. Memphis a lot tougher, more physical, as you mentioned. But you're right. I mean, for Quinn and Trey to mention them passing up shots, when you do have a pretty decent amount of three-point shooters, it's what's really hindering them right now. Only making seven threes. Trey mentioned it. 13 threes for the Grizzlies. It's an 18-point differential when you lose by four. Again, it just makes it easier for the defenses to clog the paint and kind of read what you're going to do if you're hesitant about connecting on those shots. 
Quinn mentioned Bogey, not really hesitant. He's okay to fire. But you have guys like even DeAndre Hunter that sometimes doesn't pull up. Even AJ that will start kind of dribbling in and taking a floater instead of shooting the three. Where if you want teams to start having to worry about defending the three, then you have to make give them a reason to do so. And I feel like that's what got away from them a little bit yesterday. And yeah, you're trying to out physical a team that's one of the most physical in the league. And I think that was another recipe for disaster. And the, the Hawks only had 10 turnovers on Sunday against Memphis, but it was the live ball turnovers that really led the Grizzlies to kind of get out and run and pick up the pace. 22 fast break points for them. We talked about it uh, off air, obviously. That was kind of a key point for the Grizzlies in their win. Um, but it's just little mistakes that keep popping up, and they're different mistakes in each game, which is why for the last six games they've alternated wins and losses. But for the last 28 games or so, they've been hovering around 500 because they've been playing like a team that is kind of middle of the road here in the NBA. Now, Memphis averages about 18 points off of turnovers per game. That's seventh best in the league. And what's interesting is that and and then they're third in terms of fast break points. So the Hawks, you know, they did a really good job against the Pacers, which lead the league in fast break points. Um, They did a good job of kind of slowing them down a little bit on Saturday. And then they faced another top five team that scores off the fast break and just absolutely struggled to kind of slow them down early in the game. So it's just kind of. Again, it's that that consistency thing. And Quinn Snyder actually mentioned it post game that, you know, this team is obviously still working on being consistent on defense. And he said it after the game, though, on, on Saturday, that most of that most of that is just about effort and care. And early in the game, it just kind of felt like the Hawks didn't have that care on the defensive end. Obviously, in the second half, they kind of picked that up a little bit differently, uh, a little bit more. And, you know, the third quarter was the third quarter. It was a little bit rough. They gave up 35 points, but they held the Grizzlies to 27 in the fourth quarter. So, you know, this team is capable of having it. It's just a matter of them doing it consistently. And you have to wonder where, and I think we, you know, we touched on it last week about the heartbeat of the team. I mean, who is that person on this team that's, you know, obviously you can't make somebody care about something, but if you have a guy in a position of leadership and, you know, who has that voice or is the uh, conduit from the coach to the players, I mean, who is that guy for this team and who is that person that can kind of like help these guys flip that switch on in, you know, earlier in the game, or at least in crunch time, because the Hawks, they, they got the game within three several times, several times on Sunday, even down the stretch. You know, I believe they were within three. Yeah, they were within three with 23 seconds in the game. Um, you know, thanks to a Hunter clutch three-pointer, the Hawks got the game to 122. 119 with 23 seconds to go and then this is where it kind of like some of those shot selection those decisions just even before that actually they had a really clutch three from DeJounte Murray to bring the game to 113 110 with four minutes then DeAndre Hunter kept it within three with a with a jumper from the baseline 
And then they missed like their next three or four shots. And you're like, uh, this is where you can see that some of these guys were out of rhythm because I don't know. It's just like they would drive and you're wondering, okay, but why would you drive when you have some of these ginormous players that are packing the paint and then you leave your shooters on the outside. So if they're not knocking those shots down, it's partially because they're out of rhythm. That I mean, that also includes Trey as well, Trey Young, who, you know, he did go three for four from three yesterday. But if you're if you're taking more of those shots, when it's time for you to hit them in crunch time or in clutch time, you know, you're they're more likely to fall. It's just kind of like, st- you know, statistics, a little statistics. Yeah. Let me ask there. you this, um, because there's so much talent and we, we've talked about how much talent they have, at least I think offensively on this roster. It just doesn't seem like they're clicking like as far as chemistry goes. Is it something that they still can't figure out? each other's tendencies and what they're best suited to be? Is it more of a, you get a shot here, I'm going to go take my shot here. Oh, I haven't shot in a while, so I'm going to take this one. Like, Do you feel like that's the kind of vibe still offensively, or is there something else that maybe I'm missing? Because you do see, again, 143 points on Saturday is no joke. And then there's other games where I feel like they can't get anything going, and I just wonder what you're seeing offensively that doesn't allow them to get into a rhythm as consistently as we would like them to be. Yeah, I think part of it is an engagement thing, right? And and Quinn Snyder has touched on it in in practice a couple one or one time before Sunday's game, but sometimes you see guys they they lose that feel for the game and and they just start pressing. And a lot of of what makes you know them have successful nights is when they have that feel for the game. I mean, you look at the fact that the Hawks were like 45 of 98, and they're typically a team that can knock down 48.2% of their their field goals. They're one of the top teams in the league at taking shots from, from mid-range, and then they have a guy like Trey Young who has you know a really good float game. And so it just feels like, again they lose that feel for the game because things aren't clicking on the defensive end. And so they get in their heads and they start pressing a little bit more on the offensive end. So it's not so much that they're not clicking. It's just that they too easily can lose that connection because we've seen it work, right? We've seen it work and they can play connectedly, but it's like if they're not playing connectedly on the defensive end, then it translate into the translates into the offensive end and it just kind of becomes this weird cycle of okay well then they miss a shot on offense they get back to the other side of the floor they give up a, a possession on that end and then it just again goes into and obviously you know basketball is a game of runs but uh Quinn has mentioned it several times you know in his post game availabilities with us that you know, he he wants to see this team not be one that lets whichever side of the ball that's not flowing well not dictate the other side of the game. And, and too often, this team gets in their heads. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, especially when the whistle isn't going their way. You can see it in their, in their demeanor. 
their body language and just how they they play, you know, particularly with some of these front court guys, we see them kind of press some of these either second chance shots. They try to go ISO when it's like that probably wasn't the best decision. Um, and it, it goes to one, they probably didn't get a lot of touches, you know, because somebody's trying to put the game on their back or they, they picked up a foul on the other side and it's, it's just frustrating. So I think that this team, it, it goes back to, again, they lack a little bit of that maturity, right? I mean, the average age is what, 25, 24? Yeah, they're a young team. If you think about it, yeah, they're a young team. If you think about it, most of these these guys are just a couple years removed from college. And so, I mean, Bogey's your oldest player <laughs> at 30. That's crazy. <laughs> Which is so weird to think about in the grand scheme of things. So um, I do think it still goes to that this team does need to to grow up a little bit. I don't think that it's a, there's a there's okay. a lack of chemistry because I do think they have it because we've seen it when it's on it's just again they can't seem to connect consistently okay. yeah that makes sense um and you even look at you talked about the frustration sometimes with the whistle i mean trey young getting ejected in that third quarter on saturday luckily they were able to pull it off but in this situation now that he has 15 technical fouls with seven games to go if he gets that 16th and has to sit out a crucial game or all of them are crucial now but even a, a game that maybe you know is a different opponent or, you know, a big game where they need the, like a must win and he has to sit out. I mean, that could become a huge problem. So um, when you're talking about him trying to, and, and what I did like was Quinn talking about it after Saturday's game, he was a little late coming to the podium. That's because he was having a conversation with Trey and, and said, Trey knows that he, he knows it. Like you can't lose your cool in that situation because he is so important to this team. So I feel like I'm learning a lot more from Quinn during these post game media availabilities and that's nothing against Nate it's just I feel like Quinn's more direct as far as what is happening in the game what happened why it happened and what needs to happen in the future I think it hasn't you know consistently been there for him and his team numbers wise but again a lot of this is still an evaluation period for him that he's still trying to figure out what he has with these guys and it's going to take him till the end of the year and, and past to kind of figure out what kind of personnel will be needed for next year. So it is kind of hard to balance out expectations versus reality right now with what's going on. But at the same time, when they are winning every other game or showing signs of improvement and then kind of take a step back, it's just really confusing to figure out what kind of team this, what kind of team they are right now. Yeah. And I think too, one of the important things that puts things into perspective for me with this season is that Quinn has said multiple times it's not that they're not trying to get into the postseason but they understand where they I think they understand where they are if that you know they're they're well aware that there are a lot of flaws with this team and he has said multiple times that especially at the beginning of his tenure here that the goal is to just be better off or be better the next day than they were the day before if that makes any does that make sense and so it's like we see it they take they take a step forward and then it's like a couple steps back and obviously progress is never linear they're gonna be ups and downs but for a team that has been playing together for 70 plus games of the season you still think that you know 
they would be a little bit farther along in terms of that consistency, that consistency factor. Um, they just, again, since they've never been more than one or two games above 500 since December 2nd. And so, you know, it's like, obviously there were some things that were going well, and then it just kind of went off the rails and, and, and here, here they are. So, It'll be interesting to see what Quinn's notes are after his 21 game first season um, with the Hawks are and, you know, how they how they look to attack this offseason, particularly because, again, and before we, you know, delve too far into it, but they're running out of time or running out of, of assets as far as draft capital, first round draft capital. But before we we go too deep into that, uh, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I wanted to take this time to thank everyone who has subscribed to the AJC as well as the AJC.com. You guys are what make all of this possible. But if you haven't joined our community yet, we do have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything that the AJC has to offer for the next six months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our e-paper, as well as all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from the legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next six months. And you can take advantage of this offer if you go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Okay, so if you guys didn't know, there are only seven games left in the regular season. Seven. It feels like this season has simultaneously been speeding by, or has been speeding by, as well as dragged on. (laughs) I don't know how that's possible, but... I feel like I've gone through five seasons in just one year. You've gone through year. three coaches. <laughs> We've gone through, yep. I mean, a couple of trades. It's just been, yeah, it's office not been changes. your normal season for any NBA team, let alone the Hawks. And just the way, again, we, we talked about them alternating wins and being around 500. You feel like it's been Groundhog's Day, but it's it's not really because there's just been so many storylines to talk about. Now you're less than two weeks away from the the finale and we still don't know where this Hawks team might end up as far as the play-ins concerned because a couple weeks ago we're talking about them trying to get the sixth or getting the seventh and now it's trying to hold on to eighth 
which was not something that we expected, but now is the reality with seven games to go. Yeah, Daniel, they're currently tied at 16.5 games behind the Milwaukee Bucks leading Eastern Conference or Eastern Conference leading Milwaukee Bucks. Um, however you say that. But, <laughs> um, you know, yet Sunday's loss to to the the Grizzlies did not really help their case with creating some separation from the Raptors who beat the Wizards on Sunday to have the same record as the Hawks at 37 and 38. Now the Hawks do own the tiebreaker in that, but it almost doesn't matter if they can't continue to try and find a way to create some separation. Not to mention they're also only half a game ahead of the 10th place Chicago Bulls who is who have already beaten the Hawks twice this season. Um, and so they lead two to one in that series. They do have one more game against the Bulls, you know, on April 4th in Chicago. So they're running out of time. They're running out of time (laughs) and the schedule is not as easy for Atlanta. It's not kind. The Cavaliers have just clinched the playoff berth, but they're still fighting for seeding and they're not going to let anything go when it comes to tomorrow night or tonight, I should say. And then you have Brooklyn, who's playing really good ball, that's trying to avoid the play-in game because Miami is right on their heels. So that game at Brooklyn is certainly going to be tough to end the month of March. And then you have Dallas, which they are struggling right now, but they're ending a, they'll be at the end of a five-game road trip when they take on Atlanta on Sunday. And then you mentioned the Bulls, which is going to be a tough game. Wizards, and then you end with Sixers and Celtics. You don't know where those two are going to be as far as seating and resting players and all that. But at the same time, you just can't assume anything based on what Atlanta's been able to do. They've lost to teams that they shouldn't have beaten, and they've also beaten teams that they probably should have lost to. And so it's even hard to predict what they might finish um, these last seven games, but it's no more trying to get to seventh. It is, again, if what if the Bulls catch up and you're in a three-team tiebreaker scenario? I haven't gone through that, but I know conference record plays a big role in that, and then division record plays a big role in that, and Atlanta's conference record right now is, oh, what do you know, 23-23, and 23, right at 500. Surprise, huh? <laughs> Toronto's 22-23. and 23. Chicago is 25-23. and 23. So these games, are, are they mean more than just a game in the win total. Games against Cleveland and Brooklyn go against your conference record as well, which could play a huge role in a tie-breaking scenario. So, yeah, if you, you don't want the Hawks to be in a situation where they're 9 or 10 and it takes two road wins in order to get into the playoffs because you just don't have that confidence in them at the moment. And so it's it's kind of gut-check time for this team as far as what their mindset's going to be and how they play um, when it comes to these final seven games. But definitely did not expect to see them now fighting to stay in. The good news is, is it seems like they'll get a play-in game because they're four games ahead of Indiana with seven games to go. So they will get a play-in, but the question is, is how many do they play based on where they are in the East? Exactly. And I know that the Hawks obviously want to take everything game by game and they don't want to look too far ahead. I mean, Trey Young, here's Trey Young saying, essentially saying that at the end of yesterday's uh, post-game media availability. Can't really look too much and too too far ahead on all these seven games. We just gotta continue to play one game at a time. And I know we got probably one, I think one more maybe before we go out on the road and I uh, have to come back. So we gotta take care of that that first one before we go out on the road and uh, just take it one game at a time. And I mean we can control, we can control. So that's all that matters. 
obviously the team is well aware of where they are and and what they want to accomplish. But even though they don't want to watch the standings, I think it's very, very necessary for them to be aware of where where they are. And, and here's actually what Quinn said about kind of trying to strike that balance between watching the standings, but also being aware of what the, this team's goals actually are. You know, it's hard not to be, and, and I'm not trying not to be. Um, but I do know if we play the way we did in the first half that we're not going to be playing long. And if we play the way we did in the second half, you know, we've got a chance. So I think that even at this point in the year, you want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the year. Um, for us, that's that's a little different, given the fact that there's some things, as I've talked about before, that you know we're we're trying to do and trying to uh, you know they're not going to become second nature yet, but I think there are things that, that really fit our group um, that make sense, and we're going to keep trying to trying to improve. But uh, there's no question that you know I'm, I, it's hard to follow it. You know, everything's so tight anyway that you, you don't really know. So I, I think when I say to the extent that I'm not as focused on it, it's just really a question of focusing on us and not not just in the kind of a improvement standpoint, but, you know, day to day, night to night, you know, controlling what we can control. So, Daniel, obviously, you know, they don't want to get themselves too far ahead and they should be aware of of where they are in in terms of standings, but why do you think they shouldn't have that be the central focus of of how they try to attack the rest I think of the because season? Because they need to take care of their own business and figure out what they need to do to get it's all about momentum when you're talking about heading into the playoffs. And you talk about one of the teams that the Hawks are gonna play at the end of the week in the Dallas Mavericks, they're going the completely wrong direction. They're three and eight with Kyrie and Luka playing together. And they're on the outside looking in when everyone thought, oh, is this a team to worry about in the West? Whereas you have other teams that if you are clicking at the right time, no matter the record, momentum plays a huge role, especially these teams that get to play in the play-in because they're taking the momentum that they needed to get into the playoffs, into a first-round series with one of the better teams, like if you face the Bucks or the Celtics when you get into the play-in. So for them... You don't have to worry about the standings if you take care of business on your own. I'm not saying they're going to go 7-0 and in these last seven. But if you maybe, I don't know, win two in a row, the whole look at the standings can completely change in a blink of an eye. And so even if you look at it as go 2-1 and one a week or you win three of your next four, just something to not alternate wins and losses back and forth like we've been seeing with this team and a team that's been hovering around 500, like you mentioned, since early December. So I, I think that's why, as far as there is that balance of looking at the standings, but you don't have to look at them as much as if you're winning more than just one game in a row. And so, because then you know where you're at, or at least you're not worried about a team passing you because you've taken care of your own business on that certain night. So it starts with tonight against Cleveland. And then, okay, if you get a big win against that team, can you take it on the road where you've struggled against a Brooklyn team that's playing some pretty good basketball despite them sort of blowing up their team at the trade deadline. Then you come back home. Can you, and the schedule has not done you any favors where you're alternating going home and road during it. It doesn't help your schedule at all, Lauren, as well. But then you're coming back home against no. <laughs> Dallas on Sunday where you don't know where they're going to be at come Sunday. So it's just, 
it, it's just all about taking one. I agree with Trey that you can't look too far ahead, but at the same time, if you take care of your own business, then you're not worried about the standings as much. But when you do lose every other game or lose two in a row, then you're start to worry a little bit and start pressing. I feel like, oh, Toronto's right on our heels. Oh, hello, Chicago. You're now just a half game back and we play them next week. So I think that's where the Hawks kind of mindset needs to be is take care of yourself and let everything else play out. Speaking of momentum, you kind of touched on it a couple of times um, just then, but Cleveland has won, you know, their last four games. They're going to be healthy and, I mean, I do think that the Hawks, they have the the propensity, as we've said multiple times this season, they compete up. So I think when you look at the rest of the schedule, when they face Dallas, I think that we're going to continue to see them compete hard. And that's part of that culture that, you know, Quinn Snyder, he's an intense guy. And I think it's trickled down to the rest of rest of the roster. So even though the schedule isn't kind, I do think that regardless when or win or lose, we're going to continue to see some uh, competitive basketball from this team, which is, I think, half the battle and, and part of what was their issue early on this season. So if you're looking at it from a, a perspective of, okay, well, perhaps they didn't quite reach the potential that people had for them at the beginning of the season, but with everything that's happened, they've they pushed through the adversity and, and hopefully that'll start to create some of that mental strength that this team has kind of lacked a little bit consistently. So perhaps we're starting to see the beginnings of these good habits being set into place, which is part of what is the goal that Quinn Snyder set out with when he took over yeah, this team. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's kind of what you have to look for as a Hawks fan in these last seven is w- whether or not they make the playoffs, whether or not they survive the play in is, do you see growth from when Quinn took over and what effect he's had? Um, and I certainly think he has just listening to the John Murray talk about Quinn, Trey talking about Quinn, their interactions, what we've seen from him during media availability. I definitely feel like you've found the coach that you want I think now it's you need to find the the players addressing the addressing roster the that roster. fits what Quinn yeah. Snyder is trying to do. But if you see at least some spurts throughout these last seven games that make you feel like, all right, I feel like this team, whether it's found an identity or not by the end of the year, I don't think we will. But we think we'll have an idea of who maybe fits on this roster, who maybe doesn't, and then what they do in the offseason. And I still, again, value some of these younger guys playing in a play-in scenario just to get their feet wet as far as being a postseason contender. You look at guys like Sadiq Bey that has not played yeah. in one with Detroit. I was literally yeah. about to say AJ his Griffin, name. <laughs> that, you know, as a rookie. Yep. Um, guys like Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have, I mean, DeJounte did have that a little bit with San Antonio, but also had to go through some rebuilding as well um, in a couple of years there. So, again, making the play-in is still important because you are – wanting to build a winning culture and it starts with making the playoffs or the play in. You don't want this team getting accustomed to, all right, well, we lost or, you know, if we don't make the play in, whatever, it's not worth it. No, you want you want some of these younger guys to get a taste of what it can be if they continue to grow and get better and, and develop a roster. So um yeah, you want guys like Sadiq Bay getting in the playoffs, playing in a couple of play. Yeah, Garrison, Garrison Matthews, Matthews. Who, 
Exactly. Bruno. All these guys, um, and whether they play or not, just knowing the intensity and what it's like on the bench in a every possession matters type of game is definitely important. So buckle up because this is going to be a stressful, fun, exciting, nerve-wracking type of two weeks. And I think this is the best time in the NBA is these next two weeks, especially with how much the play-in has added, how relevant these games are in the final two weeks. Every day you're watching some storyline as far as what team can be bounced in, what team can be taken out. And I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And I think we're going to continue having fun watching it. And it's been amazing just kind of watching how this team has kind of made its way through all of this outside stuff. Um, and, you know, particularly what happened in the front office and and how they've continued to try to, I guess, find that identity when they've been identity-less. <laughs> but we'll continue to watch it. And, you know, we're happy you guys continue to join us along for the ride. Until next week, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the black mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh,